Welcome to the Refresh and Restore Weekly Devotion, brought to you by JustKeithHarris.com. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you are refreshed and restored through our Bible study today. Welcome to this week's edition of the Refresh and Restore podcast. We're in our third week of our But God series, one I'm very excited about. And a lot of it is surrounding our passage for today, which is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Here's what the word of the Lord says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Sojourner. Over the past week, I've been contemplating our last discussion regarding the good news of the gospel and the reality of sin and the bad news that it brings with it. Honestly, I can't imagine life without that but God moment, the moment where he crashed into our lives and changed everything. We've seen a change in the life of a man who never walked until he met Peter and John on their way to the temple. We saw that the greatest change was not his walking away freed from his burdens, but in running to worship and proclaim what Jesus had done through his followers. Then we saw the beauty of Jesus' demonstration of love and his sacrifice on the cross. There's no more beautiful picture of sacrificial love than one who would be willing to die to reconcile, to change the status of his enemies. And today we get the opportunity to look at the same truths from a different angle. It's an awesome thing to see how we were once enemies, but God reconciled and adopted us. It's an amazing miracle for a man to say that he had never walked, but God healed him. Now we're going to look at the same amazing miracle that takes place in the lives of every sinner who is saved. We were dead, but God gave us life. 
This passage is life and death serious. So I don't want us to miss anything. We're going to dive in sentence by sentence and sometimes phrase by phrase. It might help you to look at the written copy of this on the website so you can see how we broke it down verse by verse, phrase by phrase, sentence by sentence. But we're going to do the best we can here in the audio format today. Dead in our sins. Our first section of verses here comes from all of verse 1 and the first part of verse 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. This is an extremely tough reality. It's tempting to excuse Paul's talking about death here as merely a metaphor to talk about just how bad sin is or as an illustration that could happen. It's tempting, but not true. Death didn't exist until sin was first committed. In fact, the, this verse here that immediately followed last week's passage, Romans 5 verse 12 states clearly that just as sin came into the world through one man, being Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. When everyone's ancestors, Adam and Eve, sinned against God by breaking his commandment, they were exiled from the garden, removing their access to the tree of life. That meant death, which was exactly what God promised would happen in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. Adam and Eve never ate of the tree of life again, and even though he was 930 years old, Adam died. All of his sons were sinners after him, and so on and so on, until you and I lived. And all of his sons after him died, and so on and so on. Well, you get the picture. Sin and death continued and will continue until Jesus Christ comes again and restores everything as he said he would. If you're in Christ, this is supposed to be what you once walked in. But death is the reality that everyone faces because of the reality of sin. Paul uses two words here to describe sin. Understanding them brings the terrible nature of our sin to bear more than simply looking at their English translations. The word for trespasses basically means to step off of a path or fall by the wayside. It works out of the understanding that God, being holy and righteous and the creator of all things, can prescribe a way that is best. Our trespasses occur when we seek our own way instead of his. The word for sins was an archery term that meant missing the mark or bullseye. The reality is that in our sin, we are missing the true end and scope of our lives, which is God himself. Moving on to verse 2, where it says, In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. It needs to be reiterated that those who profess to be saved, or profess to be born again through Jesus, these realities should all fall into the once walked category. If one's life is still plagued with unrepentant sin, 
it's necessary to look at how the current reality may be evidence that the fruit of your life is not of Christ, but of this world. Not of Christ, but of the prince of the power of the air. The course of this world has become more and more fallen since the fall in Genesis chapter 3. And more and more with each passing year, people are captivated into following after Satan, whom Paul here calls a prince. See, Jesus in John 12, 31, 14, 30, and 16, 11 refer to him as the ruler of this world. And Paul also in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 calls him the God of this world. Sin continues as those who are aligned with Satan's agenda, really their own selfish agenda of indulging their own sin, and he causes death to reign. Look at the beginning of verse 3, where it says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Here again, we see Paul contrast the new life in Christ with what should be our former life when he says, among whom we all once lived. He illustrates how the lives of the dead and living are in different spheres. Those living in the passions of their flesh are not concerned with pleasing God, but with carrying out the desires of their body and the mind. And Romans 6.23, which I find myself quoting very often in these podcasts and devotions, describes the end of living for sinful passions when it says the wages of sin is death. This continues into the end of verse 3. And were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. To be a child of wrath is the opposite of being a child of God. But every child of God was once under God's wrath. That's a result of our nature, descending from Adam. But that doesn't mean that it's Adam's fault. No, to paraphrase Tyler Perry, we can do bad all by ourselves. Our sin occurs when we find ourselves, like the rest of mankind, tempted by our own desire and falling into the reality that when, as James said, desire has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Sin and death is clearly our beginning, but thanks be to God, it does not have to be our end. alive in our Savior. We move on to verse 4 and find a great bit of hope here. It begins by saying, but God being rich in mercy. I can't read through today's passage without verses 4 and 5 causing my voice to be filled with excitement. Paul sharing the reality of but God here is such a needed contrast to all the death and bad news of verses 1 through 3. Not only that, it is how God changes the reality of death to the hope of eternal life. You see, he is rich in mercy. Church folks talk a lot about grace being undeserved favor, 
But this passage is a particularly good example of the beauty of mercy. You see, mercy is also undeserved, but not because it's favor. No, mercy is the undeserved withholding of punishment that we do deserve. The first three verses of this chapter show how much we deserve death, but that only highlights how rich God is in mercy. He abounds in it. He lavishes it on us. He continues in verse 4 to say that it's because of the great love with which he loved us. I often find myself wondering why God would spend his mercy, even though he's rich in it, on a sinner like me. He gives mercy because he loves. He gives grace because he loves. And his love is as great as he is rich in mercy and grace. This resounds throughout the Bible, throughout Jesus' teachings in the gospel. Time and again, passage after passage, he tells us that he loves us. And there is no greater love than the love of Jesus. We see this as Paul continues in verse 5, where it says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. The most amazing aspects of his love is the timeline. He loved us when we were dead in our trespasses. Indeed, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He meets us where we are amid our own sin and death and offers us salvation and life. Those who respond to his loving offer in faith are saved from sin and death by his grace alone. More than that, it's eternal life to be spent with him, alive together with Christ, as it says, who can promise life after death because he is alive. This truth is highlighted in the next two verses, verses 6 and 7, where it says, And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Jesus paid the price for our sins, knowing fully that we were dead in our trespasses, and fully intending, as Paul wrote in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, to forgive us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands by nailing them to the cross. He offers the opportunity to move out of the realm of this world and the prince of the power of the air to be seated with him in the heavenly places where he'll continually show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness. That's good news. What's more is that he paid the price for our sins by bearing our sins in his body on the tree, by dying in our place. Yet, as Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, verse 24, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. But there's hope for those who are saved by him. There is a life on earth with the hope of eternal life between the time of salvation and when we get to heaven.
living for and walking with Christ. In our last section, the first verses we want to look at are verses 8 and 9, which say, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's important to note that when talking about good works or the fruit of salvation, that it accompanies being saved. Salvation is clearly the result of what God has done for us in Christ and not his response to what we've done or how good we are. Now, just as we cannot clean ourselves up and come to God, but come in weakness and sin to be cleansed by him, our boast needs to be in what he alone has done. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our works don't earn our salvation. James chapter 2 verse 26 says, But faith apart from works is dead. See, when God saves us and we're born again, He has more for us than a humdrum life just waiting to die and go to heaven. One of our pastors, L.G. Schmitz, often says that God has a plan for your life. He does. We get to spend the rest of our lives on earth sharing his life with others. We're supposed to be zealous for good works, not to set ourselves apart and put ourselves on a pedestal, but to give an example of the love, grace, and mercy that Jesus showed and still shows us today. Once you're saved, you begin to realize that you're not your own, for you were bought with a price. This was not a purchase of a slave, but the price to be adopted as God's child. And we have the privilege and responsibility to plead with everyone we can with the word and the works God gives us to implore all that God allows us to meet on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God, to let them know that there is mercy, love, and life greater than our trespasses and our sins. Thank you again for listening. You can find the written copy of this devotion, complete with links to the scripture passages that were cited throughout on our website, justkeithharris.com, as well as other writings, projects, and Bible studies. Refresh and Restore is based out of Peter and John's sermon in Acts 3 and 4, specifically Acts chapter 4, verses 19 through 21, where Peter says, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture passages are cited from the English Standard Version. JustKeithHarris.com is affiliated with Christ Community Church in Grenada, Mississippi. If you would like to contact us, you may do so through our website.